games and gamers together now have the sheer magnitude to be a significant unifying force for the world. If I'm to choose between a greater and lesser evil, I'd rather not choose at all. You are almost a jibble sandwich. Did I ever tell you the definition of insanity? Be better. Check this out. Hello, 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 and welcome everyone to the 330th episode of the Hungry Gamers Podcast. I'm your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan8Bits. And joining me on this new era of THG is one of my bestest buddies in the world, Australia's finest. You can find him on them socials at Jono himself. Jono Peck, welcome back to the Hungry Studios, my friend. How the bloody hell are you? I am doing fantastic. Very happy to be sitting in the chair. I feel like I've been upgraded from Australia's John O'Peck to Australia's finest. That's a huge step forward. So thank you very much, Brendan. That's okay. I know you've been working hard behind <laughs> the scenes on yourself and life. And I thought, you know what? We've got to reward those uh, those small and big gains. So yeah, Australia's finest. That's I pressure. Think that, uh, it just suits you to a T. <laughs> just being associated with Australia, I can handle that. But a finest, now there's pressure to just excel so we'll see how we go one way to go from here jp and that is flat on your face so Mm. hopefully that does not happen here today but yes we are back we have uh take a little bit of a break here at 8-bit and at the hungry games but i thought you know what i got more bad takes to share on a microphone i've got more pleads that i need to send towards capcom about a dino crisis (laughs) remake so i thought you know what let's fire up these microphones and uh get back into it for the remainder of 2023 and potentially beyond. But um, yeah, we're going to be sort of mixing things up, I guess, sort of right off the rip here or sort of give you a bit of an idea on the proposed concept at the moment at time of recording. The idea that's going to be happening is for the remainder of 2023, I'm going to be joined every month by a new co-host in what I'm going to be calling the Hungry Gamers Residency Series. And uh, I've lined up some of my favorite people from in and around the industry to be joining me all month long to talk video games and pop culture. But yeah, I thought we'll start things off on the finest note. And yeah, bring JP on in here. And, uh, you know, we can riff games, we can riff culture, we can riff life, all of those things. But it's going to be a time we've got some slight tweaks and adjustments to the usual agenda and flow of THG. So it's going to feel familiar, but it's also going to feel fresh, JP. Very fresh. Absolutely. Yeah, we've got to give the people what they want, whether that's bad takes or, you know, just that that flavor of of, uh, randomness and fun that THG is known for and it's you know, we, we're missing Miss Ally Hart, but uh, she's gone and definitely not forgotten. She's still going to be part of the DNA of this show forever, I'd say, based on exactly you know, the, 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 the precedent that's been set for uh, both sass and uh, random tangents about food. Big shoes to fill, maybe not literal big shoes, because uh, I think she had sort of probably small to average size feet, Miss mm-hmm. Hart, but... Mm-hmm. Um, from a from a present standpoint within the podcasting space, the pressure is on JP, and uh, now you've got that finest moniker as well. Like I thought, we're just going to load you up right <laughs> off the jump, and we're going to jump into what we're calling the week that was. We're just going to be sort of recapping what we've been up to from within the gaming pop culture scene. Anything of note from our maybe our lives we want to share. We can go all kinds of directions with this, but JP, I'm going to throw it over to you, and uh, give me a bit of an update on what you've been doing. Yeah, this is tough because it's been so long since we've <laughs> seen each other slash recorded anything. So there's a little bit of uh, backlog 
to discuss, but I'll, I'll tr- keep it brief. Uh, film-wise, went and saw Oppenheimer just last weekend and had a, a really great time with that. Have you checked that one out, Brendan? I have not gotten to the cinemas to see Oppenheimer or Barbie yet. They're both on my high-priority mm. list, but funnily enough, I'm planning on going to the movies tomorrow to watch uh, Dracula, The Voyage of Demeter, which came out on Thursday and it's really getting cool. rave reviews. Yeah, I thought I saw the trailer for that when I went to Oppenheimer and I thought vampire on a boat i'm kind of into this it feels like a video game (laughs) that and and the comps that they're saying it's like alien at sea yeah so like when anyone throws that type of comparison around i'm like you have my full attention (laughs) i love that this film is just based off a very small or very short story in regards to the journey that the dracula took from europe across to to london way back when in, in bram stoker's story and they've They've sort of spun this up into a whole film in itself and it looks so creepy and so atmospheric. And yeah, I'm going to be checking that tomorrow and I couldn't be happier. Very cool. But no, no Oppenheimer, no Barbie yet, but I will. Yeah, I mean, it's an easy recommendation, especially if you're a Christopher Nolan fan at all. I didn't go into it with any like historical knowledge of, of uh, Oppenheimer at all, really. So I learned a lot and... Uh, yeah, had a, had a really really good time. I think I actually do think it would have probably worked better as a limited series rather than a movie. But then you know you're gonna lose the the Nolan factor of the things that he likes to do with sound and and visuals mm-hmm. and everything. But you know, three hour story, feel like it really easily. And and like the third act being kind of very almost separate from what happens in the first two hours feels like yeah, I could have I could have done it as a five hour TV show, but. Uh, who am I to tell Nolan how to, to do his craft? Uh, speaking of limited series, The Witcher was the other series mm. or thing that I've been watching. And I think everyone's probably... I don't know. Has everyone been watching it? It feels like the, the momentum has died down and this is feeling more like a limited series because I'm not sure where it's going <laughs> from here. Yeah. No, no one's like... I've watched both parts of this third season, you know, Henry Cavill's last Geralt-sized yeah. hurrah. And... Like I'm not gonna. I'm doing my best to avoid spoilers here, but the the marketing campaign, the social presence, and even just the series itself at all is a bit of a bit of a whimper around the place. Yes. It feels yeah. like, and yeah, I'm I'm sad because Henry Cavill as Geralt is phenomenal. It's some of the best casting you could ever do with that. I'm trying to maintain optimism about what Liam Hemsworth's gonna bring to the role in season four, but. Yeah, there was some really high points in the third season, which I was really vibing with. But then mm. there was a few where I'm like, okay, that's a choice. And then it, the way the season ended, it felt <laughs> yeah. like there should be another episode or even like another 10, 15 minutes because it's such an anticlimactic ending. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> it's almost like that. they knew the writer's strike was happening and they, they knocked off early or something and they didn't finish yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like Bart riding the detention lines on the chalkboard yeah. and he's bundling half, like bailing halfway through. That's what's happened yeah. here because I'm like, um, I feel there should be more. I feel, I, I think the third yeah. season visually was very impressive and it had some really powerful narrative yes. um, progression and some really great character development. I think it was probably stronger than season two overall because season two is a little bit uneven at times, but yeah, it yeah. didn't touch the first season for me. I think the there's a few things going on and, and one of them is that it's becoming more of a series story like, you know, the books probably and like the games do as mm-hmm. well as far mm-hmm. as like her importance in that world. But in doing that, they've kind of pulled back on 
you know, Geralt, he's the Witcher at this point. It's it's a, sh- a show about him. And I don't think I saw him fight any monsters in season three. Like there weren't any Witcher contracts being handed out. Like, like we like to see those kinds of stories in the first couple of seasons. And yeah, like knowing that it was his last uh, episode, just because, you know, off camera, we know that he hasn't been brought back for season four. I was thinking like, okay, they've kind of talked about it's going to be this in-universe transition. It's going to be a very meta thing. And I was expecting them to actually get to that and see him off. But it was just kind of just like, you know, see you later. No, like going out with a bang kind of thing. Just kind of like, that's the end. It was almost like a slap in the face to like to yeah. him, like the way that uh, you know, like a, a a WWE wrestler does something off off um, camera and they get punished by like you know doing a job for someone else and then they get squashed and you never see them again. It kind of felt like that. Yeah, like if if that was the last frame we see Henry Cavill in The Witcher as, it's going to be very weird because there wasn't any transitional point in that last episode that could make sense to to explain why Liam Hemsworth is is there and, and I'm trying to like I don't want to spoil anything from the books as far as how it could potentially play out but they didn't set the table in this episode to make it make sense to me so I'm mm. wondering if there's some extra footage that they shot from that episode that they've sort of kept in the can for maybe sure. season yeah. 4 episode 1 to help justify what the heck's going on because yeah I'm confused JP yeah. Oh, I guess we'll have to patiently wait and find out. I'll, I'll still watch it because I, I still enjoy it. It's just, mm. you know, it started so well and so almost perfectly cast and, and written in the first, first season or so. So, yeah, it's uh, I, I guess it's disappointing that it hasn't lived up to what it could be, even if it's still quite good. Especially when you like compare it now to like The Last of Us being just this yeah. perfect adaptation yeah. where it is now on its own mountaintop where The Witch, when it first came out, I was like, this is great. This is awesome. It's it's nailing some of the source material. It's doing some things differently as well. But now it's sort of just middle of the pack with something like Twisted Metal almost, yeah. which uh, you know what? <laughs> it was dumb. It is very much a post-apocalyptic action comedy, which is what it's explained as on its Wikipedia page. And it didn't overstay its welcome. It was 10 episodes, you know, 25 to 30 minutes each. Really good pace, really good cast, some stupid-ass moments, some gory moments, some little supernatural elements that they touch on that we might get down the line, which I am very hopeful for. But, dude, I had a fun time with this. Like, it's it's not an Oscar winner, but <laughs> it was the the embodiment of a good, dumb popcorn-based viewing, and you could see, like, Rhett Reese, who's the lead writer on this, who did Deadpool and Zombieland. Like, this is Zombieland without zombies as far as the tone. Like, you chuck Jesse Eisenberg here in season two or Bill Murray or Emma Stone, any <laughs> of those, they could Woody. weave in and yeah. it'd feel like we've got a, a crossover going on and I wouldn't bat an eyelid. Yeah, I did get those vibes just purely from the post-apocalypse kind of winking at the camera narration kind of thing that they go for. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, w- when you mentioned that he was involved, that all made sense. But, um, I, I personally got through two episodes and then just decided kind of nothing against it, but not for me, mm-hmm. just kind of okay. like, yeah, okay. I, okay. It's, uh, it's goofy and it's kind of, uh, I, I described it as like borderlands humor and it's not exactly what I was feeling like watching. So I was just like, 
I'm glad that it's not terrible and that some people really like it because it's been reviewed quite well. Um, it's getting like eights to nines. Yeah. Like it's, it's been positively reviewed by, by media from all walks of life, which is surprising because after they dropped that second trailer where um, the one, John the Doe and, and Sweet Tooth are doing the Cisco in the casino, I'm like, this is going to be so bad. <laughs> and that scene was still pretty bad, but overall it didn't break the show itself and it was yeah. it was fun and yeah i enjoyed it and anthony mackie he's a very talented actor like he's got a lot of variety in his delivery he can be funny he can mm. be serious he can be an action hero and i kind of appreciate in this where he's sort of like out of shape strong in a way like there's a few scenes where he's got his shirt off and he's not like muscle like uh you know Chiseled. airbrushed abs yeah. like he's got a little bit of heft on himself and i'm like yeah Go boy. Like, I love this. Like, you know, positive body empowerment going on here. But he was great as John Doe. And the soundtrack, though, JP, to this was phenomenal. Mm. Yeah, I guess. Which you missed out on. I, I, I did. I got some of it. Uh, and, I mean, how do you think it's. It, as, how do you think it does as a twisted metal story? Because it's obviously diff- completely different from the games. In the, in the games, it's not a post apocalypse. It's just this crazy tournament that happens in. A weird, crazy world. In yeah, the 90s. I, I gotta, I gotta choose my words carefully here because I'm hopeful that we might get a second season because the marketing campaign seems to be rampant. Like even here in in Australia, and like around Melbourne, there's billboards up of Twisted Metal everywhere. So hopefully that's translating to eyes on the product and we get a second season because they set this show up for a second season where it would be potentially more true to the source material. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. I don't want to go into specifics, but the way it ended, I'm like, F yeah, like that's what I'm hoping for because okay. we get some little some little sprinkles of the game. We get a lot of Easter eggs, obviously, a lot of, a lot of references. Um, I did like it's a spoiler, but it's not going to break the break the show at all. <laughs> but uh, they, they do give us Mr. Slam in, in the okay. show. Who obviously drove like the big, yeah. uh, the big excavator, but in this they call him Mister Slam because he's got a giant penis and he breaks things with it. So, <laughs> okay. like, it's so dumb, but I'm just like, okay, I'm in on this. This is great. So we do get a lot of uh, nods and homages to to characters and things from the game, but the way the first season ends after those ten episodes, I'm like, yes, okay, now we're getting hopefully what we're so used to from the game. Sure, fingers crossed. Okay, yeah, I, I did see it was like the most binged comedy in Peacock TV history, which is really I don't know if that's like a big deal or not. Like, I don't know what its competition is necessarily, but it's still like it's it sounds like enough for them to say, yeah, well, let's give it another season. Um, mm. I, I don't think it would be a cheap show to make because there's some big names attached and obviously a lot of special effects and the sets have to be probably very digitally altered to make it look post-apocalyptic in those expansive, you know, open roads, especially at the start when, when I was watching it. Um, but yeah, I don't even know where it goes from there really. So you'd probably know mm. better. I'm hopeful. And hearing that it is the, the most most uh, streamed comedy on Peacock. Most binged specifically. Oh, most binged. Yeah. Which means that they watched at least like three episodes in a row. Oh, okay. Apparently. Okay, I, I like that. I like weird that metric. So that's where we are these days. It's 2023. <laughs> very weird metric, but I wanted to shout out too because my mum is one of the biggest yeah. Twisted Metal super fans 
on planet Earth. And Shut the second up. she finished watching the season, old Mama Loz called me and she was like, I effing loved it. It was so good. I had a heap of fun with it. So I'm like, all right, if if Mama Loz gives Twisted Metal the rubber stamp, then you know what? They've uh, they've done well here. Yeah. Maybe I will finish it. If you've given me a little bit more of a reason to, to go back to it. but It's really fun in direct contrast to I watched all of Secret Invasion and that <laughs> felt like... I was like getting my fingernails torn off with pliers. Wow, like, that it was bad. So bad, man. Like mm. it's one of the worst shows I've watched all year. And wow. they did Samuel L. Jackson so dirty. They did Nick Fury so dirty. There was so much potential, I think, with this espionage route. And I feel just like they fumbled it. Oh, every man, episode. Mendelssohn too. And I just didn't care. Yeah. Were the performances yeah. at least solid? Like we got some really good actors in there. Yeah, I think um, they did the best with what they had, but the the scripting, the pacing, it was just a mess. It's um, yeah, a couple couple of misses. Is it just a bad idea for a show that they ran with, or did they? Does it did it feel like, I don't know, like Last Jedi ish in the, the 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 sense of like someone trying something that didn't maybe work for everyone? Yeah, very, very last Jedi ish. Very like we were talking about the writer strike. It felt like they were just rushing to finish <laughs> to get it out on time, yeah. because there were some decisions made in, uh, you know, character development, narrative progression. Where I'm just like, what? Why? How? Mm. But I'm happy. Like I'm thankful that it was only six episodes. It felt like it was sixty, but like I'm happy that it was six, and I can get off that island because it was not a good time. And like having that and quantum mania being two very fresh burnt shitty tastes in my mouth from a Marvel perspective. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a bit shook JP. Yeah. I was talking to Cruzy about this earlier today because he watched it and I wanted to know his thoughts because you and he, him are the only people I know who've actually watched it all the way through. And, um, I have no interest just, it's like the momentum for this universe has pretty much been sucked out for me since Endgame and there's been things that I've really liked I really liked mm-hmm. WandaVision I liked What If I liked the Doctor Strange movie but um, yeah like She-Hulk and Miss Marvel I even liked those but there's been in between them like occasional Moon Knights that didn't grab me and the last four movies you know we're talking Thor Love and Thunder Wakanda Forever uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and Quantum Mania. Guardians is the only one that I actually liked, and the others were duds. And I, am, you know, I'm kind of happy to just wait for them to come onto Disney now. <laughs> it doesn't take that long. Um, so yeah, I'm not really, I'm not really feeling it, and I don't know who's to blame. I don't know what the solution is because, like I said, there's been some good things to come out of Disney Plus doing the shows. It's just maybe the connected tissue between them, uh, asking us to care about so many new characters and not having any of that consistency that they had for so long to to build up to those big event-type movies. Like, there was a lot of goodwill going into them. And like Home... Mm -hmm. uh, What was the last? No Way Home... Is that the name of the Spider-Man movie? I can't remember. Was it No Way Home? Was the last, the live action. Yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. Uh, or, far, or was it Far From Home? Uh, the anyway, one. The, the one that, you know, Andrew Garfield and, and Toby Maguire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, 
<laughs> that was also the build-up of a bunch of other stuff on top of being Spider-Man. So it, it felt that that was the, that and Endgame were the last kind of ones that felt like they there was a, a build-up to something, and that works and that's exciting. And and even like uh, um, the, the the Doctor Strange movie was kind of the result of WandaVision and it felt like that was there. And I know we're getting mm-hmm. like this Marvels with. Ms. Marvel and Captain Marvel and like that's kind of interesting I guess but it, when everything else loses you it just kind of like I said it sucks the momentum out of it and it, it feels like they have to win us back like they have to it, there was a point where you just went to anything that had the MCU stamped on it because you knew you were going to have a good time but now it's kind of like what have you done for me lately impress me mm. wow me dazzle me yeah, it feels like they've gotten a little bit uh, complacent, a little bit fat and happy sitting on their billions and knowing that people will turn up mm. with their wallets and buy the merch and buy the tickets or you know, check it out on Disney Plus on day one. And with that, it's just watered down the product a little bit and they haven't taken the time to to build up that next wave of heroes. Like they invested so much time into that original grouping of Avengers and we're getting a little bit of love with some of these ancillary characters that are trying to elevate now, but they don't really have that next wave of, uh, you know, your Tony Stark or, you know, your Robert Downey Jr., your Chris Hemsworth. And like, there's just a lot of sort of not B list actors, but like Anthony Mackie not doing below, it for you this time. <laughs> yeah. Anthony Mackie, Twisted Metal, thumbs up. Uh, MCU, yeah. thumbs down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I am, I'm with that in complete lockstep. And like, Witcher season three, like, Thumbs up slightly to neutral thumb. I don't know what you call a middle thumb, but like that's where I'm at with um, mm. with Witcher three or Witcher three season three. Justified City Primeval though, that's a big old thumbs up for me at the moment. More Raylan Givens, the uh, the U.S. Marshal played by Timothy Oliphant. I can watch Timothy Oliphant do anything. I love him he's so a, much. He's an amazing human. He's just the best. And this is a show originally developed by Graham Yost, who uh, did Silo recently, which we were preaching about. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just great, gritty crime drama. And yeah, Raylan Givens slash Timothy Oliphant is just like magnetic on screen. I love him so much. And yeah, I'm so happy that this is back and they've just been sort of drip feeding episodes at the moment. And it's been a, it's been a very enjoyable watch for me so far. So uh that's also giving a thumbs up vibe for me from my viewing. As far as thumbs up vibes for games though, JP, I've been playing so many RPGs. Yeah. It's not funny at the moment. Like I have sunk so many hours into Diablo 4 uh, at the moment. We obviously got season one, like the, the first season pass or the first, you know, post launch content of Diablo 4 dropped in the back end of July. I've been smashing away in that pretty hard. I've got two characters now in and around level 80. So there's many an hour put into my Sorcerer and my Rogue and it's been great. And I've just been playing that pretty much day in, day out until I finally took the plunge and experienced some Baldur's Gate greatness. So I've picked up Baldur's Gate 3. I've installed it not only on my my trusty gaming PC here and it's actually the first game I've actually played on my (laughs) gaming PC after like a year and a half. Shout out to Aftershock for building this beast and it being ready for Baldur's Gate 3. But I've also been playing it on my Asus ROG Ally handheld mode in bed, which is so good. But this game, JP, like 97 on Metacritic at the moment. I'm only, let's say, I'm guessing 10-ish hours in. So I've barely scratched the surface. But that surface that I've scratched so far, I am 
enamored with this game. It is so slick. It is gorgeous. The writing is phenomenal. The combat is great. The, the, the weaving in of D&D with, with roles and things like that is a really cool, interesting wrinkle. Like, it's, it's not new to Baldur's Gates fans, but it's very new to me from a gaming mechanic perspective, and I love it. And I can completely understand where this 97 is coming from. Like, if that this game continues the way it's going for me, like, it's going to be right up there with Game of the Year. And, yeah, mm. I'm, I'm in, JP. I am so in on Baldur's Gate. And I'm just disappointed in myself that it's taken me decades to play one of these <laughs> games, but I'm happy that I've jumped in on three because it is chef's kiss. Well, I have to congratulate you on fulfilling your New Year's resolution, <laughs> which mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was to, uh, to dive into the Baldur's Gate franchise for the first time. Um, I'm curious about this because just on paper, surface level, all the hype building up to it, I decided it's not for me but mm-hmm. knowing and hearing how good it is it's kind of got that like elden ring effect where it's kind of like do i have to check it out just to see what it's all about because i don't you know the genre of, of being a crpg is something that kind of is a turn off not that i don't like any games in that but this being high fantasy or whatever it is it's a little bit less interesting than something like wasteland or fallout like the old fallout games uh one and two but seeing the amount of people playing it you know the the sales numbers Mm -hmm. knowing that there's not that many people that are into that genre of game so there must be a huge amount of people that are just checking it out regardless um so that's kind of got me going, do I need to try this and maybe wait for a sale? But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm more interested now than I was a week ago. And that, that interest is growing as the hype continues and the the stories I've he- heard people talking about on podcasts, um, the different ways you can approach quests. And Everything. Kind of flex- Everything, yeah, JP. Flexibility like, there. Yeah. It's so good. Like It's so refreshing to... Like, you know, I guess the easiest thing we've been talking about Tears of the Kingdom this year about the big sandbox and the freedom to do things your way. And you do that in this game times 10 because you've got so many abilities, you've got so many party members that have got different abilities and traits and perks Mm. that you can sort of talk your way out of stuff, you can fight your way out of stuff, you can use abilities to sort of, you know, maybe you go up to an area and it's on fire, use a frost ability just in the open area freeze that fire then you break just little things like there's so many simple well thought out mechanics there's so much depth to this game and it's super fun and we were talking earlier because yeah i'm playing on pc but i'm playing on pc with my xbox controller and it sounds crazy (laughs) it sounds crazy but like larian games who have who have done this who are phenomenal phenomenal at their craft like they did the the divinity series before this which is another massive massive deep dense rpg uh-huh. uh they know exactly what they're doing and the cool thing with this is when i first loaded up keyboard and mouse you've got the the whole ui sit out specifically based off keyboard and mouse and i'm like oh this is fine let's see how it goes picked up my xbox controller connected up to my to the pc the UI completely changed. So it changes depending on your conscri- oh. on your control scheme. So it just remaps the where, the where you and your party are set, where the priorities are, the button rotation. So it's adaptive in that way, which is really, really cool to see. Like, I can't think of a game that's done that before where it's jumping between the two controller layouts so seamlessly. 
and right. it just works on controller man like the movement feels great on the sticks when you're fighting you know jumping around menus and jumping into spells or, or melee based attacks or whatever very very intuitive it just feels great in the hand on the controller so jp when it does come out in about a month's time on playstation mm. maybe give it a looky looky uh on right. xbox somewhere in the future we don't know when but they have confirmed there's cross save. I don't know if there's cross platform because there is co-op mode available too. So you can play with friends uh. and it's so good. Like we've sort of had a, had a little taster of role play, right? We've done some, done some campaigns with star Wars and the Witcher. Mm-hmm. And this is the video game version of that, obviously, because you can spin up your characters. However you like, you can make them interact and play as you would in real life with real outcomes and real risk. And, shit can happen fast. Like you can have party members die in an instant if you balls up a spin or balls up a move like you can do in like a a live role play event. And it just adds this extra layer of stress and discomfort and just, you've got to think about everything you do because every action has a reaction that could Mm. end very badly for people in your party that you could get attached to, which I really like the the fact (laughs) that there is... yeah high chances of death and failure at every corner because you start as a little lowly level one. You don't have much power. You don't have much much going for you. So you've got to start from the bottom to get here, paraphrasing the legend of Drake. But <laughs> it's so good, JP. I am loving it. And the second we're done recording, I'm going to boot up Baldur's Gate 3 and play more. So not intimidating at all that you've never played a game like this? Is that Was that an accurate assessment? I'd say I'd I'd be lying if I said there wasn't some intimidation there because there is a lot that they throw at you pretty early on as far as your abilities, um, whether to, like obviously the the character creator is very deep as far as mm. race, class, the abilities, your backstory. Like it's really I spent like an hour and a half just in the character creator because it's phenomenal and the like the the models, the character models, beautiful. Nightmare fuel however you want to make them, like, but they just look stunning on screen. Mm. But when you do first start up, there is an option where you can turn off or turn on like tutorial-based hints. I'd recommend anyone that hasn't played it to turn that on because it really helped me. It was a nice little sort of soft handhold through some of these things because you do get into these into some of these fights. Um, and just naturally you're thinking in an RPG, okay, I have to fight this person to kill it to get through there. There's other ones where you can just avoid the fights and just work your way around it to get to the goal because it could be a time-based thing you've got to do within a certain amount of moves or a certain amount of rounds. So you can sort of do things as you would in a role-play environment in the game and it's just so well executed. Like Larian Games, this European studio, just peak of their powers with this man and it is so good. Yeah. It it makes me think like, you know, how much time you're going to put into it because I know it's, you can I've read you can mainline it in like 30 odd hours but then like obviously if you're picking up side quests and getting distracted it could be 100 plus so I guess that's yeah. a pretty good range if you don't want to spend like the rest of the year playing this especially like the back half of this year being loaded with so much especially from September on um, so I guess that's um, it's also the kind of game you probably don't want to put down and come back to you after like a month or two mm. away from it so we'll, we'll, i think we'll have a few people rushing to get it done before the likes of starfield and spider-man and whatever else is around the corner and that's the thing like 
they're not the same universe by any stretch of the imagination like starfield's futuristic space exploration this is high fantasy but like Mm. they're two similar game concepts as far as big big open world rpgs and i'm very curious to know if bethesda at the moment are going holy shit like (laughs) you know we need to stick the landing on starfield like desperately already but now seeing how good Baldur's gates getting reviewed they're like "Uh uh-oh the pressure is on because this game has been talked up for many many years and i'd say the microsoft overlords at the top are sort of pushing from down as well saying this has to be perfect and i'm very curious to see what happens when it reviews because it's coming out in like a month's time now and yeah yeah everyone's still going to be horny and thirsting for Baldur's gate 3 because it is a very 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 special world it could be a uh, classic zelda eaten horizons lunch scenario or elden ring or you know whatever it is <laughs> i think i think you're right yeah. man i think Baldur's gate like yeah it's, it's not an indie game or anything like that but i think it is going to be one of the hits yeah. of the year not only from a, a, a review perspective but like you said the units that they've moved already just for pc only like when this trickles mm. through to playstation and then xbox down the line like yeah it is going to be a financial success for larian games and yeah, I couldn't be happier because I've been loving every second I've had in this game so far. Yeah, good for them. Uh, Gaming-wise, I guess on my plate, Final Fantasy sixteen would be my RPG that's been uh, in the PlayStation lately. I did finish it probably a couple of weeks ago, but thought worth a mention. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I think you were like semi-interested in checking it out, but probably later in the year or next year i, I bought it and i've installed <laughs> oh, really? it but I, I i turned it on one day to start playing and then i think i went actually i'm gonna go watch some anime and yeah. i turned it off and went and watched anime and haven't gone back <laughs> yeah and i can see you probably not getting a chance to go back to it till like the end of the year maybe but it feels uh, that way i'm yeah. sure you'll enjoy it once you get to it. it is a really good game it wasn't exactly what i wanted it to be and there you know I, i've done a a little mini review that will go up on 8-Bits Instagram at some point in the yeah, near future. Should be should be on the socials in the next week. Yeah, just because um, I've been away, I've been off grid for a while, so a yeah. lot of that stuff was put on hold. You know, that's on me, hand 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 to heart, saying I'm sorry about that. But yeah, um, yeah, we've got some videos getting built out at the moment in the back end, and yeah, they should be flowing on just about when this episode drops or slightly after. Yeah, fingers crossed. So check that out for my I guess 60 second review uh can't go into like an incredible amount of detail in that time but the the short version of it is that combat amazing the world and story pretty cool but there's a lot of bloat for me in this game a lot of like main quests that feel like they should be side quests and running around and picking flowers type of thing that uh kind of pulls me out of that main story and makes me care less about what's happening and that's an issue but it hasn't been an issue for everyone just for me and and people like me so if you're on the fence about final fantasy 16 the 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 boss fights itself in itself are are probably worth the price of admission because they are pretty spectacular so there's definitely a lot there for fans of the series and uh it, it feels different from other final fantasy games it's more of a as people would have seen like a devil may cry kind of combat approach but um yeah it's it's going to be one of the the games that's talked about at the end of the year it's it's probably only going to make it into my top 10 for the year just because it's such a 
stacked year and nothing against the game, just not exactly what I want in a Final Fantasy game. But to each their own. Uh, Oxenfree 2 was something I was really looking forward to. Uh, I was a huge fan of the first Oxenfree. I think you dabbled with it, did you not? I dabbled with it. I had, I had a good time with it. Yeah. We're back in the day on the old Xbox. It was, it was a good time. Yeah, yeah. I, I played through it multiple times to get the you know true endings and the, the kind of different... Um, unfolding events that happen when you when you go for that second time through uh this time i just played it once and i'll probably watch the you know the the other endings online but it's the same kind of thing you know it's the same kind of very good writing very down-to-earth um dialogue and mystery and supernatural horror i guess you could say Mm -hmm. um Played it on my phone though through Netflix. Through Netflix, yeah, through Hell Netflix yeah. for free with the Netflix subscription. So, um, I wish I could have played it on a console. I never really prefer to play anything on my phone if I don't have to. But that's where it was free and Netflix. That still doesn't let you play their Netflix games on your TV for some reason. I guess it's because of touch controls. Licensing or something them, like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? But. Um, if you played the first Oxen Free, the story ties into it, so it's probably best to start with that one and then come to this. Uh, but they're mm-hmm. both on Netflix games, so if you do have a, a sub there, then they're waiting for you to play. Um, and I wasn't disappointed, so check it out. Yeah, I'm keen to give it a look, and I saw um, doing some digging around the news this past week that the the Netflix sort of game hub now has controller support which is nice. So it makes it a little bit easier to play some of these games. And mm. yeah, I really enjoyed the first Oxen Free. And like you said, the writing, it was very relatable. It was very grounded yeah. and, and sort of felt familiar in a way. And I'm keen to get back into that because yeah, the, the supernatural and the horror elements really check some boxes for me. So I have to put this one on my ever expanding list yeah. and, and <laughs> check it out when I've got a bit of downtime in the future. All right. Well, that uh, that brings us to the end of to the week that was. We're going to shift gears into this news and notes from around the internet, presented by Audio Technica. All right, listeners, and what we're doing here, as far as our regular news segment, we're going to sort of refresh that a little bit. We're only going to tackle sort of a small handful of notable headlines or talking points from around the internet that we've uh, uncovered that we feel could be interesting, entertaining, horrifying, whatever type of emotion. But uh, we've got three good little offerings here on the docket today. And the first one I've titled, Gaming is for Everybody, as confirmed by the IGEA. And we've got some words here from over at pressstart.com.au. The Interactive Games and Entertainment Association, the IGEA, has just published brand new data on Australian video game habits for 2023, revealing that the number of Aussies playing video games has increased significantly in the two years since it last measured, among some other interesting insight in said report. The headline finding is that the whop- is that a whopping 81% of all Australians play video games in some form, which is up from 67% in the previous report. The organisation compared its results to the AFL finals on Fox and 7, which according to the AFL's 2022 report attracted 56% of Aussies. So if you want to do the quick maths from there, that's 25% more gamers than AFL fans. Other noteworthy figures include a rise in women and girls playing video games now at a high of 48% across total players identifying as female. The average age is also up slightly to 35 years old, with Aussies on average having spent 11 years of their life gaming. 
the average time spent playing video games is 90 minutes per day, with 93% of players saying they play to have fun and 70% saying they play to improve mental health. Parents overwhelmingly play with their kids in an effort to connect as a family, and that search for connection continues with three out of four Aussie gamers choosing to play games with others and 33% saying they made new friends through gaming. So JP, video games, Mm. bringing the world together, bringing the nation together, improving mental health, improving bonds within families. What can't video gaming do? What a great, uh, good assortment of data here from the IGEA. Yeah, it's really cool to see that number going up. Um, But there's one number that's missing for me, and it's how many of these gamers are playing mobile games only. And that's something that Mm. I think... Some people will have an issue with making the distinction, but I do think that they're there is not a... real gamers, John. <laughs> they're not th- real gamers. I do think there is a distinction. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you only play Wordle or Words with Friends, like my granny <laughs> on her iPad, um, you're not in the same category as someone that plays Baldur's Gate. To me, that's mm. you know, hit me up on socials if you want to have a chat about that i'm interested in in what other people think and it's not a gatekeeping thing i just think it's i just think it's a different category personally like it's it's um you know well what do you think about that because these these numbers like they just don't pass the pub tests as far as like what we read in this report versus looking around my office at work and being like hands up who's a gamer i'm gonna get like a lot of weird looks and people Mm -hmm. telling me that games are a waste of time (laughs) and that uh it's not it's a hobby for kids and the kind of stuff that we all know people think and say um that doesn't reflect that 81 percent of people have this as a hobby you're just hanging with the wrong crowd jp (laughs) if if i said that in my workplace at least 50 percent of people in there maybe maybe 75 would put their hands up 50 is a lot less than 81 (laughs) Well, maybe 75. Yeah. I'm doing the quick maths in my head right now. Yeah, no, it's definitely higher. Let's let's forget I said 50. It's it's up there. Might not be might not be in the uh, in the 84th percentile there, but it's still mm. high. I work with a lot of uh, I work with a lot of middle-aged women, so maybe they're the least okay. likely to play games. I don't know. <laughs> but maybe maybe they could be part of that uh, mobile gaming revolution yes, you mentioned, yes, all indeed. the candy crushes and things like yeah. that. Because there is a stat in here that also says. of Australian households have a device for playing video games. Mm. So I think that would be heavily implying a switch. Well, well, you think everyone have a everyone at least one person every house would have a smartphone. You You think? think, I think six. I think it's possible that six percent of Australians don't have a smartphone. Really? Yeah, I guess so. I think so. There's a lot of old people. This this is saying of all Australians, so that includes babies that can't play games, like my kids. that's all Australian households, 94%. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, like, the ba- the baby ain't renting an apartment by itself. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. Oh. But I'm, I'm saying for the rest of these stats, it's including children, babies, elderly, whatever, everyone, everyone. Yeah. So, you know, it makes the numbers more impressive, I think, when you talk about that. Uh, but, yeah, anyway. Yeah. But the, the short version of this is that it's it's positive. Like the the numbers are trending yeah, in the right direction. Absolutely. And regardless of whether the whole mobile console PC distinction, it is going up. So that's mm-hmm. 
the baseline is is going up. So that's uh that's that's cool. I like it. It's it's uh encouraging, and it and it even if even if there is a distinction between the mobile games and the non-mobile gamers, it opens up that conversation to be like, oh, you think games are a waste of time? You don't play Wordle. You don't mm-hmm. play Candy Crush. That's a game. And this is yeah. something like that, but that has a story and that has evolving mechanics. And it's you know something I can play with my friends. And I think people, it's getting less common for people to not have any uh concept of that but there are still people that exist out there that don't know that games have writing or story or narrative Mm. or you know that that they're not pac-man or frogger and you see these things occasionally these these tiktoks or tweets or whatever x's going viral (laughs) where x influencer says (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and now I use X in the wrong in a different context, but some influencer says something about like games are a waste of time. If your man plays games for more than an hour a day, then he's a, a child. He ain't or, no man, exactly. And and like <laughs> those kind, and that's coming from like a a millennial or someone or a, a, a zoomer that should know that games are an art form and as, as valid as any other mm-hmm. entertainment or hobby but th- those dinosaurs still exist out there yeah yeah and hopefully uh they slowly go the way of actual dinosaurs and, <laughs> and die out so uh maybe not by a big aggressive meteor but like you know just just naturally through just attrition aging out. yeah but i think the, the the best like the most positive number to see there is that 70 percent of people play say it improves their mental health like yeah, there is awesome. some genuine positivity that can come from gaming obviously there's a lot of toxicity too which they don't really uh, talk about in this snapshot. There is a full report that goes for several pages that I'll share the link to in the episode show notes. But yeah, Australia is a gaming nation is what we can take away from mm. this. And uh, we love video games more than we love Australian rules football. So, and uh, I wonder how much it. COVID played into that as well. People that maybe used to play games and dipped out of it when they reached adulthood, coming back to hobbies that made them happy when they were younger, when they had a bit more time at home so that that could be something as well especially when you throw in that mental health factor yeah no it's uh good times good times to be a gamer mm. good times to be a gamer in australia just as long as you're not a mobile gamer because jono <laughs> is coming for y'all hey so uh i'm uh I, I played oxen free too on my phone so i'm a mobile gamer now you're not a gamer <laughs> but like okay like when when you say mobile gaming, you're talking about your Candy Crushes, things oh, like I'm that, because of, technically yes. you can be like backboning on your yeah, phone absolutely. playing PlayStation Xbox. I'm talking I'm talking about like playing tic tac toe on your phone, <laughs> or like clash like <laughs> tic tac toe, <laughs> or you know, <laughs> you know, like what year is this? There's like I, I've known like farmers that sit there milking the cows and they're playing Clash of Clans in between, you know, the downtime. Okay. But then if you said like let's play some, you know, Call of Duty, they'd be like, nah, like that that's for nerds or whatever. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're talking the games, I guess, that almost came out of like Facebook gaming yeah, back far, in the day where people would jump on. All that kind yeah. Of okay. That's that's the sort yeah. of like my parents play Wordle. They do the Wordle every day, but they wouldn't never say that they play video games. They're gamers, yeah. yeah. But little do they know that they they yeah, do play video games. I got games. news for them. You, you're in this. Yeah. This report says you're a gamer. <laughs> yeah, Mama and Papa Peck. I'm sorry to say, but you're gamers. 
you nerds. All right, the next bit of news. Bungie have titled this one, Thank You, Commander, The Future of Zavala's Journey. And so Bungie have just released uh, a little bit of an update on what's going to be happening in regards to the broader Destiny universe. And I've taken some words directly there from Bungie.net. Earlier this year, we lost Lance Reddick, the English language voice actor of Commander Zavala. The passion and professionalism Lance brought to the role over the last decade was unmistakable and loved by all. Lance's iconic voice led us through the most intense moments in Destiny's history and his impact on our gardens, our guardians, our community, and Bungie as a whole will never be forgotten. Commander Zavala has been central to the story as he as we have been telling as Commander Zavala has been central to the story we have been telling since the original Destiny and we have plans to continue his journey. Keith David, a prolific actor on the stage and in television, film, and games, will assume the English-language voice of Zavala in the final shape and beyond. Separately, Lance's existing lines in-game will remain untouched for the upcoming release. On becoming the new Vanguard leader, Keith said, I am honoured to continue the great work of Lance Reddick as Zavala. Lance captured the character's sense of integrity so wonderfully. It is my intention to continue that work. Bungie is honored to continue the relationship that began with Keith during the days of Halo, and the team is excited for what he brings to the role of the commander. We'll always remain respectful to the role of Zavala, to the role Zavala has played thus far, and look forward to the journey ahead. So, JP, they've yeah. recast Commander Zavala moving forward because, yeah, he is such a central, pivotal character to that Destiny world. So mm. it makes sense that they don't just want to fade him out due to the tragic loss of, of, of Lance Reddick. Uh, Keith David, phenomenal voice, phenomenal talent, has uh, quite a mixed bag of roles in all kinds of uh, all kinds of genres. Mm. And I'm happy with the casting. He's got such a presence on screen. And it's funny, we were talking about Justified City Primeval earlier. He's in that mm. um, as a character. So I'm very fresh on that Keith David flow and delivery of lines and, and I can see him doing very well in this role and, and I like that Bungie have been very respectful in addressing this and, and working out a plan moving forward it's going to be interesting when you're going to be talking to Zavala in various parts of the game though and getting some of Lance's lines and then you'll be getting some of Keith's lines depending on if you're in I guess phase phase one of Destiny or Destiny 2 and then going into new DLC mm. and having a different tone but overall, I think this is a very classy and professional move. Yeah, they're not doing a um, Peter Dinklage and like completely replacing <laughs> his dialogue. They're keeping it in there. I like to see that. And they're not using AI or some like shifty kind of thing to to keep it going. So there's a couple mm. of, of wins there, uh, I think. But yeah, couldn't think of a better person. Like he doesn't exactly sound like Lance Reddick, but mm. he does have a very um, yeah, everything you said was true. He, he's a very commanding presence. You know, he's he understands video games. Obviously, he's been in Mass Effect. He's been in Halo. He's been in a bunch of uh, voice roles from animation to video games. So he's just someone that gets it. And uh, I think that whether he kind of does like halfway between his own voice and Lance Reddick's kind of delivery, it would be interesting to see how he approaches it or if he just does his own thing but um yeah i think that this is a very very good announcement that's you know i'm sure the internet will there'll be corners of the internet that have an issue with it but i think that it's a pretty like easy free kick this one to to give a guy like that the role who's pretty beloved and um 
it's hard to replace someone like Lance Reddick. I wonder, mm. makes me wonder what they're going to do with Horizon. Like, bring Craig, bring, bring Keith bring David Keith, over there. You're going to say no, Craig I was David. Say Craig David. <laughs> Monday goes over and starts singing. Ellie, <laughs> what you going to do on Sunday? <laughs> yeah. So, will they bring in Craig or Keith David to replace? I wonder what Craig David's up to these days. Uh, to, to Horizon for that silence performance or will they find someone that sounds or does an impression of Lance Reddick I think either way would be an okay move to, to do but um, yeah yeah. The, the tough part with that silence role is they're using his likeness where Zavala obviously is an awoken yeah. character with like a, a blue skin just using uh, Lance's voice so that's going to be interesting to see how they navigate that over at Gorilla but uh, yeah they'll probably write him off I think would make more sense to kind of just you know, I have to go back to my home planet, kind of like... Yeah, <laughs> Poochie styles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he died on the way back to... It. Yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, but he's such a big part of that, you know, what will probably be a trilogy, if not bigger story with, with Aloy, that uh, it's hard to think of doing it without him. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a big hole to fill, but yeah, they'll they'll work out the best way to move that forward and, and handle that situation. But mm-hmm. I, I'm hoping now, like thinking about it, that we do get Keith, De- Keith David as Zavala. And when, when I'm down there talking to Zavala about a quest and, and he somehow weaves in like, how did you get the beans above the Frank? If I get a line <laughs> like that from Zavala in Destiny 2, I am going to die. It will uh... be so great. So give me, give me a Zavala Frank and beans based <laughs> reference. And I will die a happy man because, mm. yeah, that's still some of the best comedy, oh, in in my opinion, in history. It's if, it's so good. If listeners aren't familiar, that's uh, watch. There's something about Mary. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, please do. If you haven't, why? Because it's it's one of the best comedies of the last several decades. It's so. 25 years old, so you know we could have some younger listeners that weren't around. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once you're done listening to this podcast, young listeners, go check that film out because it is a classic all right and the last bit of uh news we're going to be covering on episode 330 of thg is titled thq nordic turtles and timmy in thq nordic's recent digital showcase the publisher unveiled exciting news for fans of two beloved anime franchises south park snow day is a co-op adventure game taking players on a snow-covered quest to save the world the teaser trailer showed a 3d art style a big departure from the show's classic animation style that's been used in the franchise's most recent hits the stick of truth and the fractured butthole the game is developed by question games the california-based studio has previously worked on first person titles the magic circle and the blackout club while a game genre hasn't been announced, we did get some gameplay footage in the teaser that shows a top-down perspective suggesting either battle arena combat or an action-adventure approach like Marvel Ultimate Alliance or the LEGO Star Wars franchise, for example. Snow Day is set to release on PC, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X slash S, and Nintendo Switch next year. Another intriguing reveal was the official reveal of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles' The Last Ronin, inspired by the comic of the same name, where a lone surviving turtle embarks on a mission for justice in a battle-torn New York City. Although the game was first announced in a March interview, there is little more official 
that there is a little more official now that we know that the developer is Black Forest Games, known in recent years for the Destroy All Human series. A release date is yet to be announced, but the last Ronin is confirmed as current gen only. So we're talking PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X slash S, and PC platforms. Mm. So JP, I've got to say, even though the art style is a big departure from what I used to on the South Park games, Snow Day... Looks like a ton of fun. It looks like it captures that same crude insanity that South Park has perfected over the last several decades. And from what I understand, it's apparently co-op, so you can play mm. it with friends. So yeah. bring it on. It looks fun, and I'm down for some snow day. Yeah, I wish they showed a little bit more. I know it's early days, but uh, we didn't get a ton. Like There was just a few quick little shots of, of the combat happening, and... It, it did make me think of, you know, maybe Marvel Ultimate Alliance or the Lego kinds of combat games where you're running around attacking and using your different abilities and that kind of thing. So that might be the way it goes. They, I think only Cartman's voice was the one we heard in the mm-hmm. trailer, yeah. which makes it feel like it's really early. Um, but uh, apparently coming next year. And the fact that it's this 3D style, I don't know, is this... Is it going to work? I don't know. It, it feels a little bit like when The Simpsons went 3D for that one episode and yeah, <laughs> Homer steps into the grid. But um, blip, blip, South blip, Park's blip. messed around <laughs> with different art styles before on the TV show. Mm-hmm. Like There was like an anime episode and there's been like... That episode was so <laughs> good, by the way. There's been a few different things that they've done. So um, And there's been like 3D South Park games before as well, haven't mm-hmm. there? So yeah. Um, I'm sure Matt and Trey, with how hands-on they were with the Stick of Truth and Fractured But Whole, um, they'll be involved in this too, hopefully. And yeah, I just hope that it's as good as those games because they're awesome. And I'm kind of skeptical based on the short bit that we saw, but um, hopefully question games can deliver. It's not the kind of thing that they've done before based on just a couple of their recent mm. recent games it, it feels like this is going to be a lighter experience of south park like stick of truth and the fractured butthole are such great rpg adventures with deep combat really fantastic storytelling but this feels like it's almost going to be like it's not going to be fall guys but it feels like it's going to be big open world fun maybe not a huge amount of story. It's more so going to be about the chaos and playing with, mm-hmm. with your friends, yeah. which, which will be fine. I'm not sad about that, but I feel it's going to be a big step sideways compared to Stick of Truth and Fracture Butthole. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, the last Ronin, this was announced kind of like in a March... Uh, it, was like a, it was like a very like uh, executive type announcement. Like it was like an earnings kind of interview with paramount or something it wasn't like a a real game dev kind of detail that we went into Mm -hmm. so the official announcement that it's coming is really exciting that i don't i didn't hadn't heard of the last ronin comic until march when they announced that and um it sounds really cool it sounds really interesting and i just hope that they deliver with what looks like a pretty gritty story um, that I don't yeah, want. It's really dark. Like it's heavy. Me. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like it, there's could be a bit of narrative heft to that. And knowing that they've done like those Destroy All Humans games, which are meant to be really fun. I haven't played them, but they've put out a couple of them in a short amount of time. That from what I 
know have been really well received and popular mm. and fun and well made. So it's not some uh, Smeagol Golem game kind of Ooh. situation where it's just like here's a big IP, do your best and we'll we'll see what what you can do with it. Like this sounds like a legit developer. Um, that has like a bit of experience with you know combat and and that kind of uh, fun, um, quirky tone. Uh, I hope that, and judging from the the teaser, this looks kind of dark and and a bit mm. more artistic and and uh, gritty. And I, I hope that that's the direction that they go. It's a bit of a balance when it's Ninja Turtles that you have to kind of um, please a lot of different groups but yeah very very curious to see how it develops yeah it's, it's very different tonally to what most people know the the ninja turtles to be or, or be about but i think it's going to be great i've i've read parts of the last ronin and it is a hell of a read and if they can sort of translate some of that written and, and visual content to the game space i think we could be in for a in for a bit of a gem whenever it is that comes out and i like that it's confirmed for current gen only as well so uh we'll get best build at launch you know touch wood but yeah that brings us to the end of those three pieces of news and we're going to jump into a brand new segment miss ellie hart's carousel of chaos All right, so listeners, what is Miss Ali Hart's Carousel of Chaos, I hear you asking? Well, that is a damn fine question. And JP, you're probably asking the same thing too. So what it will be, in essence, is a rotating segment of games, fun, and madness that will occasionally inform and hopefully entertain. And each week, we're going to be tackling different things like Clan or Sham, the cost of Cameo, working title on that one that could change this week in gaming who am i and many more so every week mm. we'll be cycling through certain games between ourselves i'll host some of them Jono might host other ones other hosts might host other ones etc etc but we just want to try and bring a little bit of fun a little bit of light-heartedness to our thg and jp what we're going to be doing this first week with that working title work in progress that i've called the cost of cameo is what i've done is I have scoured cameos and, and uh, looked at the various video game and pop culture-based stalwarts on there. There is many. There's up to nearly 6,000 people on cameo that you can throw good money to to talk to you and do all kinds of things. And I wanted to do a, a little bit of a game here where I'm going to mention four people that are that are currently listed on cameo and you need to rank them from like cheapest to most expensive so it's sort of like remember in prices right where mm. they've got to sort of try mm. and place the items as far as least expensive to most expensive and if you get it right you'll get a prize i don't know what that is but i'm sure it's going to be fantastic okay but um <laughs> i'm going to give you the the cameo actor or the cameo creator's name i'll read you their little self-written bio and then you can then rank them from least expensive to most expensive. So I'll, I'll read them out now just in alphabetical order by first name. So the first one, Aaron LaPlante, voice actor, the Duke from Resident Evil Village, Spear, Gendry Tarkovsky's Primal. And then there's also a random little hashtag here. It says personal messages only, no ads, no promotions, and no Twitch introductions. <laughs> so Aaron LaPlante most notably known as the Duke from Resident Evil Village. 
We're moving up in the alphabet here to Elroy Spoonface Powell. His description reads, actor, voice artist, mindfulness number one, record as the voice of Barry White cover by Black Legend. Ross Aquino from Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Union Jack from Fighting With My Family. And then he also says, let's have fun, dot, dot, dot. Voice of Jack Matt in Dying Light 2. So that bio that uh, Elroy Spoonface Powell wrote is a mess. But you know what? Maybe he's making money off this. And the next one, JP. Nolan North, actor. Uncharted series, Assassin's Creed, Deadpool, Pretty Little Liars. I'm that guy in the show slash movie slash game you may have played, watched, slash ignored. So we've got Aaron LaPlante, Elroy Spoonface Powell, Mm -hmm. Nolan North... And the last one we have is Vulcan, former original <laughs> okay. Australian and British gladiators, James Bond actor and pro wrestler. So JP, needs no rank these <laughs> cheapest to most expensive from a cameo booking perspective. Okay. I believe the Vulcan, I believe Vulcan was in The World Is Not Enough, which is one of the worst of the, I think it's, yeah, the, those Pierce Brosnan ones kind of, went downhill didn't they um yeah vulcan uh i've got gonna put nolan north at the top he is a voice actor he's the kind of person people would want to they would go there looking for uh, Mm -hmm. nolan north to do a you know nathan drake message happy birthday whatever it might be so i've got nolan north up the top do you, do you want to have a guess as like do you want to put a, a, oh. a value on what you think he charges like we won't we won't measure you off that but just yeah. for my own interest yeah. and the listeners interest um, how much do you think Nolan North would charge oh. haven't been on uh, Cameo for a while so I don't know how inflation has kind of messed around with all this <laughs> stuff but uh, I'm going to guess 400 bucks for Nolan okay, North okay so 400 for Nolan North at the top yeah. Okay, who do you think is going to be the, the second highest charge on Cameo out of Vulcan, yeah. the original Australian and British Gladiator, Elroy Spoonface Powell, notably from the gaming spaces, Jack Matt from Dying Light 2 and also Knowledge from Minecraft Legends, or Aaron LaPlante, who plays the Duke in Resident Evil Village as well as other things. So I haven't played Resident Evil Village. Is the Duke a big character? Like not big, He's like- the big fat boy. <laughs> Yeah, but it, big in stature, like, big in personality. Is he significant in that game? Yeah, yeah, he's the uh, the merchant. You could say he, yeah, he's he's the larger friend uh, of the merchant. Okay, from four. Okay, so I feel like he's got a bit more heat <clears throat> lately with Village being, you know, recent, pretty recent game. It's, I'm tossing up between him and Vulcan. Vulcan is kind of a niche 90s... I could see people, like, being nostalgic and being like, hey, I got you this message from Vulcan. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) Happy birthday from Vulcan. It's like that... It would be like getting Kevin Sorbo to do... (laughs) Yeah. It's it's like the... um, What's what's that? It's like Secret Santa gift or something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Merry Christmas Vulcan Marian accounts. I don't think there's anyone that's like, I'm a huge Vulcan fan. Like, not in 2023, because pretty sure he's like a personal trainer or something these days. You think there are more fans of Taipan or Tower? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> there is a Gladiators documentary on Netflix now, but it's American, so 
I yeah. can't even. Give okay, you. so so you've got Nolan North at one. Okay, who you're going to land L- with? Aaron Laplante is is second. Okay, how that. much do you think he charges oh. for uh, his his vocal talents? One twenty five. <laughs> one twenty five. Okay, and then are you going to say Elroy Spoonface yeah. Powell uh, or Vulcan? Vulcan is in the third. And I got Vulcan spots. next. Because at three. I, okay. I, I, Elroy doesn't seem to have done anything impressive, to be honest. I'm. Maybe he's really talented. I'm sure he's very talented, but none of the things that you read out registered as like significant to me, to be honest. You don't think uh, him playing uh, professional wrestler Union Jack in the Fighting With My Family page biopic <laughs> helmed by The Rock is, is much, I much pull? I have seen that movie and it was a good movie, but uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, okay. So are you putting Elroy Spoonface Powell in the, the fourth spot or the third spot? Um, Vulcan's third and then Elroy Spoonface. Okay, and how much How much do you think Vulcan charges? Vulcan, uh, let's call it 100 bucks. 100 bucks for Vulcan? And okay, Elroy, what about Elroy in last? 85 bucks. 85 this is US bucks. dollars, isn't it? AU, AU. Oh, AU. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. They, doesn't all, matter. they all balance out based off your rankings. Okay, yeah. okay. So, you said Elroy Spoonface Powell would be the the cheapest earner. So you'd put him at the first the first barrier of entry here for sure. our our walk along uh, the cost of cameo. You would be very incorrect. Oh, get out! You are you are way off the mark here, Aaron Laplante who you had in the two spot is actually the cheapest okay. out of the four here, charging a paltry $77 per cameo-based request. So Aaron Laplante is the Duke in number four. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Vulcan as your number three, where you think he's charging $100, but the actual third place on this list is Nolan North Seriously? in third... And he only charges $154 per cameo exchange. That's a bargain. And then moving up this list further, Elroy Spoonface Powell, most notably known as Union Jack or Jack Matt from Dying Light 2 or as Knowledge in Minecraft Legends, charges $1,076 per cameo exchange, <laughs> which is the highest video game based search like when I search video game actors there was 193 of them Elroy Spoonface Powell is the top of the pops and at the moment I'm assuming only one person's picked it up because he's only got one rating so one person is stupid enough to throw that kind of money at old Elroy Spoonface Powell and coming in at the top spot Vulcan charging $1,538 per Cameo exchange, which is the equal second highest overall value on Cameo. So <laughs> a few people charge $1,539, and then there's a few others that charge $1,538. And our boy Vulcan is right up there with that, with them at the top, what? which is absolutely absurd. What do you think you're getting? And no one's picked it up yet. What, what are you getting from Vulcan for that much money? Like, you want him to come around to your house and do it live. Like, you wouldn't want a, a video from him. Jeez. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm looking now on, he, on his page and it's like, Vulcan hiring for every occasion, birthdays, graduations, and even the holiday season. <laughs> Celebrate it with a personalized Vulcan video. <laughs> yeah. See, I can... 1538 bucks, JP. Yeah. See, now I, the... It kind of makes sense now where Nolan North, he's uh, 
made himself affordable so that he can get a steady stream of these things coming in like every day. He's probably like sitting on the toilet recording five cameos and making 600 bucks in 10 minutes or whatever. And then Vulcan's sitting there going, I don't really want to do this, so I'm going to set the price ridiculously high. Mm -hmm. And if someone wants it, then someone wants it. And the same attitude from Spoonface, like one person picking him (laughs) up on that. Yeah. That's ridiculous, man. Like no one's, well, one person's going to pay that, but no one else is going to pay that for you. (laughs) Yeah, you you bang on like Nolan North has done 695 orders at a minimum as far as he's got 695 reviews and he's five stars so he is crushing the game old nolan north and like you said it's just just churn for him i think he's just clipping that ticket every day but uh yeah vulcan and spoonface i think they need to reevaluate their uh their own uh potential worth here because that'd be crazy (laughs) it's like their agent just like set it up for them and they went yeah do this set it for this price i don't really want to do it but i'll do Mm -hmm. it for that Exactly, exactly. So sadly, JP, you fell over at the very first yeah, hurdle no. on the cost of cameo. Way off. I really thought it would be Nolan North and then Daylight and then the other three nobodies, basically, to be to be honest. In the context of cameo, they're basically nobodies, but they don't seem yeah. to think so. Yeah, they are they are small fry, but consider themselves the big great white sharks in the cameo ocean, but ain't no one ain't no one paying up. It's so funny seeing how where people value their time. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy, but yeah, we'll we'll do more uh, we'll do more cameo based evaluations in the coming weeks and months. But yeah, that was the first attempt at Miss Ali Hart's Carousel of Chaos. But let's move into the final segment of the podcast, the week that's yet to come, presented by Dash Water. And sadly, Dash is not an official sponsorship yet, but I figure I'm going to keep planting <laughs> this into the universe and making it become a reality eventually via osmosis and via uh, aggressive marketing like that because Dash Water <laughs> is the best sparkling water in the game as I sip on my uh, my lemon right now. I'm also sipping but- on um, lemon water, but it's a water that I put a slice of lemon into. So it's... <laughs> How dare you how dare you drag down the greatness that is Dash with your own homemade lemon water? That's a lemon off my own lemon tree. That's true. And you have given me some of those and they were delicious, so <laughs> I retract that statement. But yeah, what the week that's yet to come is in reference to is we're going to be just highlighting, you know, upcoming gaming, video game, like upcoming gaming, pop culture. So we're talking film, TV, anime, and events. Anything of note that's coming out this week that we feel could be of interest to you, our fantastic listeners. And um First one, we've got another podcast coming out of the gate here from 8-Bit. So we've got another episode of More Than Hentai dropping after a little mini hiatus as well. That's going to be focusing on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And I was lucky enough to sit down with Harry from Press Start to do that one. As far as things coming to the big screen, you can go check out Strays or Blackberry this week in the cinema. Uh, nothing really of note landing on the streamers apart from like new episodes to shows that are already sort of in circulation at the moment. And as far as a couple of games that I wanted to highlight that are you know coming out this coming calendar week as well, we've got Moving Out 2, Vampire Survivors making its way to the Nintendo Switch, Madden NFL 24, as well as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So JP, anything on that list I've just mentioned, uh, you know, raising an eyebrow to you, anything that's uh, giving you some incentive to jump on in and play or watch? Uh, I don't think that I'll play any of them, but Moving Out 2 is worth a... a- thumbs up from uh, our friends at smg in sydney and melbourne so um good to see them getting a sequel to moving out which 
I, you know, I see I see people playing it and and giving it love. So it's kind of like in that overcooked family of uh, mm-hmm. couch co-op, and we don't get a lot of couch co-op games these days. So shout out to uh, the developers that are keeping the genre alive. It's a, a lost um, it's a lost art. Completely agree. And luckily for us, it's available on Switch, PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. So depending on where you get your games, you can get moving out to on said platform. But JP, that brings us to the end of uh, the the new and potentially improved or declined THG. Who knows, <laughs> listeners? You be the judge of that. But uh, yeah, episode 330 has officially wrapped. Anything you wanted to mention or shout out before we close the studio down for another week? I'll just shout out to Brendan White for bringing thg back with a new format i know you put a lot of uh thought and logistics into reshuffling the deck and uh think that it's gone pretty well so far hopefully people out there enjoy it as well uh, the theme song is a, a banger and uh i know people will be cranking that and adding it to their spotify playlist just to to listen to to go to sleep to i don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah it certainly uh yeah it certainly keeps you calm that's for sure it uh it gets the heart pumping the toes tapping and the head banging so uh yeah it is a jam start the day with it what i should have said that's it yeah it it is it is your audible based cup of coffee it will wake you the hell up real quick so uh yeah it's 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 great to be back in the podcast chair here it's great to be talking video games culture and life into a microphone obviously provided to us by our fantastic friends over at audio technica if you want to upgrade your audio game do so today they've got the best in headsets microphones turntables in-ear and over-ear you name it they've got it so go check them out immediately also check us out as a whole at we are 8 bit you can find Jono on them socials at Jono himself and you can find me at brendan 8 bit yeah that brings us to the official end of episode 330 it is great to be back but until next time listeners much love stay hungry we'll see you around.